welcome everyone to an all-new episode of the Comic Multiverse, where the worlds of nerd meet. Joining me as always is my co-host in crime, Matt. How you doing? I'm doing really well. That's good. Uh, we'll get more into our weeks as we normally do in the show. I want to start off, uh, as I tend to start off now, with a little bit of uh, channel and show housekeeping. Uh, first and foremost, I want to thank all the patrons who make this possible, and I especially want to thank uh, our newest patron, Randall, who pledged just recently. We, have, we haven't had a new one to add to the Patreon in a bit. I haven't had a new one to mention, so I just wanted to send some love that dude's way. <laughs> it's funny, too. We, uh, we went from $81 on the Patreon to 60 and then back up to <laughs> 71 thanks to Randall. And I'm like, hey, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> we were so close to 100 what happened but you know that's just the patreon game they go up and down although part of me had to wonder i'm like oh oh is is, is this what's up everybody because the show has moved now to podbean where you can listen to the show a day before it premieres on youtube or some people are like well i'll just listen to it there then <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't need to be one of the cool kids and get it exclusively first every Monday when we're done recording. I don't, I don't need that. I'm not about that life. <laughs> no, that's fine. I understand if some people had to change their thing and go back and forth. That's fine. I understand. It's, it's tough out there. The economy is rough and everything. It's all good. Uh, yeah. Speaking of the show on Podbean, I really wanted to talk about this because I was really proud of this, and it even ties into my week as well. So uh, I spent all of... Uh, uh, all of uh, Tuesday, uh, re-uploading all the shows there uh, to uh, to Podbean for people to listen to, including the newest one, episode 15, which was our Civil War show. Uh, here's a question for you, Matt. How many times do you think uh, the comic multiverse has been downloaded on Podbean? Two. Two? <laughs> Try over 200 times. Oh, that's awesome. That's fucking awesome. You guys are all champs. I'm really glad that you like that, and I'm really glad that you've all started downloading it in mass. And that's not even the newest episode, too. People went back and downloaded our old episodes, too. They downloaded our, like, backlog, and I think that's super cool that people care enough about us to go back and listen to old shows. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. It's it's a testament to the podcast quality that we put out every week that people will even listen to our reruns. <laughs> It's it's a good time. It's a it's a good day. And you know, before people ask, and you know, I, I figured this out on my own too. Uh, we don't actually make any money when you download it or when you listen to it on Podbean. We just do it because we want to, and we want you to be able to carry it around with you. Yeah. Now that being said, if Audible or someone wanted to sponsor the show on Podbean, they're more than welcome to. <laughs> yeah, the door's open, guys. The door is open. If you want some solid dick joke journalism and some comic talk that you know can reach a bunch of people, please, please, please you know, please holler at us. Holler at your boys if you would. <laughs> and. It, I'm also really happy that the show did really good because for people who've been following me on social media and everything, they'll know that, like, uh, Wednesday, my computer fucking died on New Comic Book Day. It blue screened. It was my work rig. Used it for everything. Had everything tied up in it. Had it for years. And it died on me. Just pure blue screen. And I was inconsolable because I'm like, why? Why on New Comic Book Day? Why on Civil War number zero day? Why would you do this to me? <laughs> Luckily, thanks to all the good patrons and all the people who have been listening to the show and listening to the channel and everything, I was able to save up something of a nest egg, so I went out and bought myself a brand new computer, and oh my god, all week trying to catch up on reviews, and also trying to put all my shit back into the computer, by god. 
It takes a while. It takes a while. So much shit I take for granted. All of my all of my Sony Vegas shortcuts and everything that make doing reviews a breeze. I had to do all those again. <laughs> also, you don't realize how used to stuff on your computer you get until you get a new one like uh the mouse. The mouse on my old HP I liked so much better cuz it was stronger. This one is much more sensitive. Yeah. Yeah, on this uh, on this Acer, but you know what? I traded up to a better computer, so I should hopefully be better. I also I I, I didn't cry when the other one blue screened because I was sure to back some shit up because it had been crashing all week long. Yeah, so yeah. I, I'm I'm luckily I never ever had that sort of problem, but I've had other problems, but yeah. Yeah, I, I feared a blue screen of death was coming, and indeed it did come. So I'm glad that I was able to hop on that one. Uh, Hop on that one while I could, and hopefully moving forward, uh, the, the the old rig 2.0 will be able to uh, will be able to maintain. Cool. Should fucking maintain. I dropped like over 800 bucks on it. <laughs> <laughs> you know. That being said, the warranty on this one was much better than the warranty on my old one. Yeah, that's good. Because here's the thing: I didn't fill out the warranty on my old one, Matt, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> it's not because I'm stupid, it's because I'm smart, allow me to explain. Because of my job the way it is, I couldn't wait to send a computer back for servicing and anything. If it broke, I would be fucked and would need to go buy a new one anyway. At least with the new warranty I have, I can just take it right to the store and they'll have to give me a new one. Yeah. yeah. That's good. That's good. I can live with that. None of, none of this mailing away shit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that mailing away stuff. I remember... One of my old laptops had that, and the uh, the like battery pack that it had mm -hmm. died, and you had to mail away for one. It took weeks. Oh yeah, I felt I felt like an extra goon too, because the blue screen was telling me like, hey, you know, if you insert your Windows 8 disk, we can get you into this mode, and maybe you can get your shit back. So I literally ran downstairs because I live in a condo. I ran to my storage room, found the box with the warranty that I didn't fill out, and I shook it up. I'm like, was there a disk in here? I don't think there was a disk in here. There wasn't a disk in there. Yeah, they usually all just come preloaded. Yeah, so and I think that's how they get you. They get you. Oh. It failed. Oh, looks like you got to bring it back to us. So you know, if uh, if you're a member of the multiverse universe, and yes, I've decided that's what our fans are going to be called now, Matt, the multiverse universe. <laughs> if you're a member of the multiverse universe and you have a spare Windows 8 thing lying around, uh, freaking get contact because you know I wouldn't mind being able to jump some old stuff off that. Uh. Actually, it's hilarious too. Uh, that that computer was pretty much. Uh, a lost cause anyway, or at least it was near it, because I had cracked the screen at the back, which is no trouble. You know, I mean, hey, wear and tear, it happens. Yeah. But then I also broke the left hinge on it by accident. Uh, okay. Which means that if I had tried to close it and send that away for servicing, the screen would warp and probably snap. Yeah. So, I pretty much have that one just over in the corner right now, my old one, my old faithful that still has my Witcher stickers and everything on it so you could know it was mine. <laughs> I have it in the corner as kind of like a poor, like, you know, solemn grave too, where it's like, you know, I, I, I still go by it every off, every so often and, and pay my respects to the computer that was. Yeah. Old, old Silvery took me through a lot. You know, I took him to Montreal with me. I took him to multiple uh, Toronto cons. I took him all over the world, man. And he was a good <laughs> friend to me all the way. <laughs> and now, and now I have to pour a forty out on the curb for him. <laughs> I got, I got old Blackie now. 
is what I got. He's he's kind of got graphite on the front, and I had one Captain America sticker sitting around from my geek fuel, so I put Captain America on the inside of it now. <laughs> also, if you have any stickers you would like to add to old Blackie, send to P.O. Box. <laughs> Get, I actually do need to open a P.O. Box. That's another thing I'll ask the fans, the comic uh, multiverse universe right now. If Matt and I got P.O. Boxes, would you send us fan mail and shit? Because I could see both of us opening shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, putting putting that one out there, and uh, from from you know endless tech talk and everything, and endless whatever, uh, or I guess endless just me talking. How was your week, Matt? Uh, pretty chill. You know, I've just been sort of watching TV, catching up on that Game of Thrones episode yeah. for this week, and hold the pretty door, good. Hold the door. Why am I oh. crying so hard? Well, when I saw that, I was like, uh, I like it didn't click immediately. I like hold the door, and then he then he started like saying that. I'm like, holy shit. That's what it means, holy shit. Not only is that a holy shit moment, but George R. R. Martin came down and said, yes, that's canon, that's how I would have done it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, because yeah, like, the, the show is now ahead of the books, isn't it? Yep, in, well, in some regards yeah. it is. Well, that's the thing, like, I, I'm not, I've only read the first book, and I read it just before the show came out, and then I just decided, ah, I'll just watch the show. Yeah. And, yeah, so if, like, he said that, that, that that's pretty good, that they're writing things that he would have written, yeah. so, yeah. So you don't feel cheated or anything. Uh, speaking of new shows and speaking of differences between uh, books and series, uh, did, did you watch the first episode of Preacher? I did. I thought it was great. I enjoyed it, and I kind of enjoyed it in spite of myself is the interesting thing, and I'm kind of afraid to say I enjoy it because I know for a lot of people, Preacher is right up there with, like, uh, Neil Gaiman, Sandman, and Watchmen as, like, you know, yep. the holy trinity of unfilmable comic book properties, and I almost made a review for I might make a vlog out of it is what yeah. I might do because I don't know if I have room for it on the channel as it is right now what with all the comics coming out, but I'll put it somewhere where people can watch it if they're so interested. And, yeah, I, I, I kind of liked it. In spite of myself, because it is not the comic. It's not. No. But it carries a lot of the themes and a lot of the spirit of the comic. Like, again, this is Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg doing this. And weirdly, the thing they get that I think I was most afraid of whenever they were talking about doing a TV or a movie version of it, they get the weird, dark, Looney Tunes-esque comedy that Ennis is known mm -hmm. for. Yep. Cassidy is perfect, I would say. He oh, is, my God. He is, yeah, absolutely amazing. He is pitch perfect. He jumped right off the page, and that's amazing. Uh, hats off to that actor. Arseface is perfect, and the fact that yeah. they deliver Arseface, you know, without a wink and a nod, they just kind of show him off, and that's that. And I'm like, wow, they actually went for it. They actually pitched a show where, yes, we're going to have a guy who basically has a sphincter for a face. Yeah, yeah, and and they get points for blowing up Tom Cruise. That too, you get all the points in the world for blowing up Tom Cruise. It's hilarious. Uh, I watched the show with someone else, and I'm like, oh god, we're we're coming to our space. We're coming to our space. They were just shocked, and they're like, what? What is what? What is even? What? What? What the hell is that? <laughs> well, you see, he tried to blow his face off, and yeah, it didn't I, go very right. I had to stop and tell them. I like, I had to give them the historical context. I'm like, okay, you got to remember, this comic was written in the '90s. Like, right after Kurt Cobain shot himself in the face, and this guy was like a crazy Kurt Cobain fan, who in tribute thought to shoot himself in the face, but he couldn't do it. I wonder what they're going to do with the show, because the show doesn't look to take place in the 90s. The show looks to take place yeah. contemporary. I wonder if his origin is going to be the same or what. Yeah, it's going to be really weird. Uh, I could see them doing the same thing, like he's one of those kids that found out about... 
Nirvana and Kurt Cobain and everything and has become like a mega fan after right. the fact. Which would actually kind of make him even more pathetic that he shot himself yeah. in the face like decades after the fact. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, again, like we said, it's not the comic. Perhaps one of the biggest departures they have is that while the Preacher comic book was like a road trip, like a great American road trip, the show seems to plant their feet very firmly at the end of the first episode and go, nope, we're not leaving Anvil, Texas. We are going to stay right here. Yeah, I think they might leave it, like, maybe towards the end of the season. Do we know how long the season is? No. How long is The Walking Dead? I imagine it's going to be as long <laughs> as The Walking Dead. Oh, God, so like 20-something episodes? and when, Please when don't I, make it like The Walking Dead. When I was watching the Preacher like premiere, I could, I could not help but compare it in my mind to The Walking Dead, and I almost had to respect it because I'm like, okay, unlike The Walking Dead, they're letting you know right at Front Street this is not going to be shot for shot like the comic, where Walking Dead, the first episode, is literally shot for shot. They get you into a false sense of security, and only mm-hmm. later do they start betraying the material. Yep. yep. They start sort of, I guess, running out of material. Yeah, that too. And well, the thing too with material is that, you know, uh, unlike Walking Dead that is still going on right now and arguably you could say was prolonged by the success of the show, mm-hmm. I'm, I I have to wonder if uh, What's-His-Face, uh, Walking Dead guy, would have ended the comic were it not for the massive success of the TV show. Preacher has an end is the thing. It yeah. only has yeah. so many volumes and assumedly the show can only have so much material before they eventually have to call it quits. Yeah, yeah, I, I imagine that. Or, like, I just hope they don't go the way, like, what Walking did, Walking Dead did with that Fear the Walking Dead, and we get, like, you know, a Cassidy spinoff or a Tulip <laughs> spinoff. Well, no, there, I don't want that. There were a couple book one-shots, and, I mean, I don't know about you, uh, I, I would watch a show about the Saint of Killers if they wanted to do something with the Saint of Killers. I imagine that would be a, an episode in the show, maybe mm. like season two or something. Saint of Killer is probably one of the only major characters who didn't show up in the first episode. Mm. That was another thing about the pilot where it's like, oh my god, you guys are really getting all the characters in one episode, aren't you? Yeah. It's like, hey guys, here's Tulip, here's her deal, here's Cassidy, here's Hair Star and the Grail. And I'm like, you're just, you're just cramming them all in, aren't you? Yeah. Where meanwhile the comic is so slow to start as, you know, they start bringing in all the different characters. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't hate it. I really don't. I'm kind of fascinated by it, and I almost feel like I need to watch episode one again because I'm yeah. like, look, because I can't stop comparing it to the comic. Now, that being said, I, I did a fun little experiment. I watched it with someone who has never read the comic, and they were right the fuck into it. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got friends that I go... Uh, and do TV with that watched it as well, and they really liked it and everything. They don't know; they didn't even know it was based on a comic. Which makes me think maybe that will make it a Walking Dead style success, and that is the fact is that they have nothing to compare it to. Yeah, it's accessible. It's very accessible. That's, and I mean, Jesus, as much as I love the comic preacher, it's not an accessible comic. You have to like, oh, no. you, have, you have to be like, look, this is when it was written. This is who wrote it. This is what it's about. This is where we're going. You have to accept a lot of stuff. Where the show again takes a lot of that and makes it, you know, more, uh, yeah, more accessible. Like you said, I, I really dig that they got the line. My probably one of my favorite lines from the comic that Jesse's dad says. Where he's like, you know, you, you gotta be a good man, son, because there's so many ways to be a bad one. Yeah. 
Which is such a beautiful line, I like it. Or, or Cassidy saying, geez, you know, that sounds like the first line to the worst country song ever written. <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. So, geez, uh, there's, there's a little preacher talk, everybody. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that. See, I knew, I knew Matt had, would have seen the show, and I knew I would have been able to talk to him about it. Yeah, no, I was I was eagerly awaiting it since it was announced. How uh, how cool is it too that Steve Dillon and Garth Ennis are executive producers on the show? Yeah, that that's a good sign as well. That is a good sign that that kind of had their blessing on it because I get the feeling Ennis hasn't really sold his stuff to anything else, so I would feel like that he must have seen something in this show to sign off on it. Yeah, exactly, and I guess that's really why he's also allowing. Um, Rogan and Goldberg to do The Boys as well. Which, which, how fucking insane is that it's Seth Rogan and his writing partner, Evan Goldberg, who brought this to us. I know, it's, uh, what I saw is, I, I keep thinking, like, how? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Because you, like, look at, like, like Seth Rogan's new movie is just at that Neighbors 2. Which is great, by like, the way. He's, like, smoking weed and, like, throwing Zach Efron around and everything. And Getting hit he's, by like, he's, like, producing and writing Preacher as well. Yeah. And, well, here's, here's the thing, and I, I was examining this, and if when I do a review I'm going to mention this, it's actually not so weird when we examine the career of Seth Rogen, why he would be into something like this. Obviously, he's a huge nerd, that goes without saying. I mean, just fucking look at him. <laughs> you, you, you look at stereotypical nerd in the dictionary and you would see Seth Rogen. But also, when you look at movies he's done and movies he's been really passionate about, stuff like This Is The End, and even something like Observe and Report, which wasn't a great movie, but it was a real dark comedy with like Looney Tunesian style gags and jokes to it. I think he's a fan of comedy violence and I think he, that strikes a chord with him in Garth Ennis's work. So maybe in a weird way he was the right guy to do it. Yeah, yeah, and he, and he also played like Green Hornet as well. <laughs> Fucking Green Hornet. <laughs> There's a <laughs> I like that movie. Do, do you really? See, I watched the first half of it and I'm like I'm good. <laughs> it's got some really cool scenes in it. It does have some cool scenes in it, and it does mark the first time, like in a Hollywood movie history, when other superhero projects stopped trying to be Batman and everyone started trying to be Iron Man. Yeah. They try super hard to make the Green Hornet into Iron Man in that one. It's hilarious. Uh, yeah. <laughs> man, man th there was a thing, uh, obviously, because Seth Rogen and uh, hit girl Chloe Grace Moretz, they're going around for... Uh, what is it, for promotion for Neighbors 2. And they did a thing on the BBC, like a big BBC radio show, and one of the bits they do on that is when they have two celebrities, they get them into insult competitions where it's like they have to insult each other back and forth and first one to laugh loses. <laughs> and him and Chloe Grace Moretz really get into it, and, he, and she's like, you know, you, you look homeless, you smell. And they keep going back and forth about it, and there's a point where I'm like, see, if I was in her shoes, I would say Green Hornet was not a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, you were in Green Hornet. <laughs> and then he would cry, which is funny, because he makes that joke, and this is the end. Danny McBride says, yeah, you know what, I haven't uh, cried like that since I paid money to go see Green Hornet. <laughs> so even he knows that that was a bad idea. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, this this concludes the Seth Rogen portion of the show. Everyone, be sure to come back next week. Did uh, did did you see Neighbors Two? Actually, I I saw it by. I house. haven't. I don't think it's out yet. I'm I'm going to the movies this weekend, but I'm gonna go see the Nice Guys. Ah, oh, there you go. Because that I, movie looks awesome and it, it's Shane it Black. It does, so it probably will be. I I saw Neighbors Two totally by accident. You see, I thought <laughs> X Men came out here this week. It oh, it came out. It came out for me. Yeah, it came out for me. come comes out for you guys everywhere else, and I'm at the theater, and I'm like, well, fuck, it's not today. Ooh, neighbors two, I'll go see that. I was gonna see that. Na anyway. Neighbors two 
looks the better movie. Part it's it's really funny. It probably has the better message too. <laughs> it probably has the better message about understanding and acceptance. Yeah. X-Men Apocalypse was fucking boring. Yeah, that's what I keep hearing. Everyone's saying it was boring as shit, which is hilarious because all the trailers are like explosions and natural disasters and look at this. Yeah, well, Apocalypse does nothing but give speeches. Mm. Mm. That's unfortunate. And, and makes Magneto destroy outfits. I've I've read a couple reviews there where it's like, yep, and this is the part, or this is the point where the X-Men franchise ran, ran out of steam again. <laughs> <laughs> after two movies of trying to retcon everything back to a status quo they can work with it's like well what do we do now mm. <laughs> Wolverine 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 I guess oh yeah I hear Wolverine has a really shameless cameo in this like they take oh, a 20 minute the movie detour. stops the movie literally stops for them to say look it's Wolverine he's gonna escape the place and go back to X-Men 1 every in every X-Men movie it looks like okay is this the one where we finally start distancing ourselves from Wolverine and in every movie <laughs> nope. it's like nope what, what's even funny about that scene is that he's dressed like uh, Weapon X you know with like oh. the headgear and everything oh. but <laughs> he doesn't have the visor the visor has been like cut off so you can see Hugh Jackman's face Oh, jeez. Because, like, if they had the visor, they could have just done it with a stunt guy. They could have gotten anybody, but we paid for Hugh Jackman, so Hugh Jackman's going to be in it. <laughs> yeah, and then same with, like, Quicksilver. He's just there for a scene. I'm I'm still going to go in with an open mind, but i got to admit, everything everyone said makes me really worried. Now, that being said, I enjoyed Days of Future Past more than just about anybody. Yeah, you did. Yeah, so, you know, here's... <laughs> Here's here's hoping going forward that uh, that uh, the, you know that it can be worthwhile. And also, who who the fuck is calling me on Skype right now? Don't you know it's showtime? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know ten o'clock is Comic Multiverse Day? <laughs> gonna gonna tell this person off not right now. Hey guys, doing Comic Multiverse. <laughs> Call back later. Now, There's uh, some like Skype like telephone salesman yeah really it's like hey are you happy with your long distance care i'm on skype oh <laughs> it's free oh sorry well hey are you happy with your vacuum cle- i'm on skype <laughs> leave me alone now believe it or not we've talked for almost 30 minutes and we actually do have some news to discuss as well uh so did you hear that the CWTV duo, that's uh, Jeff Johns, and I forget the other dude's name not berlanti but one of the other dudes involved in all the cw superhero shows yeah, John Berg, I think his name yeah, is. Thank you, John Berg. They got massive promotions. Uh, it's funny, this news hit like the night my computer broke, and I remember reading this, and I'm like, damn, I would have loved to have made a video out of this. But yes, <laughs> they, they have gotten major promotions now within the DC uh, Warner Brothers movie department, and they are supposedly, question mark, going to help oversee the future of the DC Cinematic Universe? Yeah, well, th- that's what we thought until... <laughs> Jeff Jones came out today and said and sort of like clarified his role. L- literally moments before we started recording, did this hit? Yeah, and it it sounds like he's got no real power. He he says my job is to help the movie makers communicate with DC Comics is what he says. Now, what does so, that mean? Could mean anything. Yeah, I'm going to take that as I'm going to coordinate with the movies, the TV, and the games because he mentions the games right. as well. Um, into what characters they can and can't use. Mm. 
I, w I would hope, now again, I'm a glass half full kind of guy, looking at this positively, I would hope that means if ever they're going to do something really crazy that would completely and utterly undermine the integrity of a character, like, hey, we're going to have Batman shoot people and we're going to have Superman break a neck, I would hope that Jeff Johns would step in and go, no. Yeah, yeah, guys, guys, these characters don't do that. I'm hoping that that's what his job is, to be the guy to slap the hands away and go, no, 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 these characters are more than just comic characters, they are cultural icons, and you can't have a cultural icon do something like this. You wouldn't have Jesus do dick jokes, and you wouldn't have <laughs> Superman break a neck. No. I don't know, man. Now, now that I talk about Jesus doing dick jokes, I think that would be a good pitch. <laughs> the Adventures of Dick Joke Jesus, starring Joel. Matt can direct. <laughs> we haven't found a writer yet, but we will. It writes itself. It basically does. Hey, apostles, here's my dick. <laughs> Not the only thing that rose on the third day. Oh. See? See? This shit writes itself. It's easy. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, before this news broke about how much actual power uh, Jeff Johns had, the thing that had made me afraid moving in is where I'm like, ooh, this, this seems like way too many cooks in the kitchen. This seems like way too many guys jockeying for mm -hmm. power. This might not make the movies better. In fact, it might make it worse if a bunch of people are fighting each other. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's like another thing, like, like as you said, too many cooks and like he could – how could be in those conversations and just say like hey guys superman doesn't do this but like if say like snyder and the president of wb movies says that like he doesn't matter anymore and <laughs> he they're does gonna go with, they're gonna they're gonna go they like outvote him sort of yeah like it, i could just see that happening this it, it sounded to me like movie making by committee now obviously this isn't exactly true anymore uh, another issue that you know stuck out to me before john's really uh clarified and that is you know what well, we've seen the disdain that movie people have for comic writers and for tv writers jeff johns is both of these things yeah <laughs> where it's like fuck off comic boy fuck off tv boy this is this is movies this is where the big boys play <laughs> And, and for people thinking that I'm being over the top, I'm really not. There's a lot of animosity between people who yeah. work in different stratas of entertainment. It's really weird because they Very. all essentially do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Well, d never say that to someone because they're like, no, goddammit, film is much harder than TV. And TV guys would be like, no, goddamn you, TV is harder than film. <laughs> And the fighting would just go on and on endlessly. Like, you know, for people who have asked the reason, it's like, well, how come they never get comic people involved in making comic book movies? Because they don't want them there. That's why. Yeah. As horrible as that sounds. Paul Dini quite famously tells stories about this if you ever listen to the stuff he's done. Uh, he's pitched ideas for Batman movies several times with the clout that even he has and the fan love he has behind them. And multiple times people have been like, mm, no. Yeah, you, you write cartoons, so yeah, you're, you're not important. Yeah, you write cartoons and comics. We're not going to trust you with this, s silly fat man. Go go back to your magician wife. <laughs> that's that, that's not a joke either, actually. Uh, Paul, Paul yeah. Dini is married to a magician. Her name is Misty. She's a real-life Zatanna. <laughs> Fucking Paul Dini's a hero, man. <laughs> I'm going to say that right now. <laughs> Paul Dini is living life the right way. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, some other stuff we had going on. Again, it's it's, it's a big DC-centric episode this week, if you couldn't tell everybody. Uh, another piece of news that came out this week, uh, DC got a new logo, and it changed across all of their uh, platforms. 
Yeah, it, it's really reminiscent of the old seventies logo. Sure is. And it's okay. It's two. It's a two letters in a circle. You know. Yeah, it's it's it's. Be- I like it better than the other one. It looks you know looks better. Looks cooler. Yeah, looks I, I didn't like that new the the one they brought in for the new fifty two. It was like peeled back on a D sort of thing. It looked really looked a little tacky. Yeah. Yeah, over-designed. You have to wonder, too, if going back to an older, more classic uh, type of logo, if this is them, you know, kind of reacting to Rebirth and being like, no, we're going back to older, more classic, uh, like, era in DC Comics when we had a logo that looked more like this. It totally is. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah. I'm glad you're working from the bottom up and changing everything for the better, or at least trying to encapsulate why people liked you and the stuff that you do. And, you know, a logo is a great way to do that. Yeah. I mean, you could argue that much like the New 52, the new logo was needlessly trendy and throughout a lot of the history. Yeah, and overly designed. and Overly designed. It's like, what was wrong with your old logo? What was wrong with your old everything? (laughs) <laughs> Damn it, we're reactionary. That's what's wrong. <laughs> but uh, now, believe it or not, too, as you know, we're on the DC bandwagon. And believe it or not, this is kind of a DC love show because later on we're going to be talking about the best and worst that the New 52 had to offer because really, Matt, when are we going to get a chance to do this again? Uh, in six years, probably. In five to six years when they do this all <laughs> over again. But until then, it's, it's all happy sunshine and good feels. But uh, obviously this week, we record this Monday, so Wednesday when you're listening to this show on YouTube, if you're listening to it on YouTube for the first time, the 80-page giant DC Rebirth penned by Jeff Johns will be coming out. Yep, really excited for it. I ordered the Gary Frank variant. Oh, it's going to be good. I I didn't order anything, but it's going to be good. Oh, I only ordered it because like here, like usually comics are really expensive. Um, but that obviously because this one was like what two ninety nine or something, mm, something like, like here, here that relates to about five bucks. So mm. I'm like, oh, 80, 80 pages for five bucks. I'm gonna get that. Man, Man alive is fucking Wednesday. Gonna be a huge day for comics. We got DC Rebirth basically setting the stage for the future of the DC comic universe. We got Dark Side War number fifty. That's finishing finally. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, I remember I saw that in the solicitations like for what was coming up this week, and uh, 50, right, it's really only getting to issue 50 now? Only getting to issue 50 now. It'll still have two more before it's done. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm uh, like, we're going to be well into Rebirth when this, this comic is still going. And, and I'm pretty sure the last two issues are only Green Lantern-centric. Oh, really? Yeah, it's well, it's because we got to see how Jesse Cruz becomes the new Green Lantern. Oh, I thought they were going to do that rebirth no no i think i think she gets it i think she gets it at the end of justice league oh okay yeah all right whatever (laughs) (laughs) nothing against jesse cruz it just seems like for the justice league book you know you could do more stuff or you know better use of your time is all we're saying yeah it's it's not like she's gonna get her own book where you can do these things But yeah, so that's going to be a thing. Um, we got the, I guess, death of New 52 Superman, which is going to be happening in Superman number 52. Yeah, yeah, the the previews for the for the 80-page giant kind of spoiled that. Yeah. Because um, well, I thought it was actually going to happen in the 80-page giant. Well, I guess we know. Now, obviously, for those listening to this now, a lot of particulars about DC Rebirth leaked out. 
Matt and I mm-hmm. know what's going to happen. Matt and I are trying very hard to not spoil what's going to happen for those of you who weren't spoiled and who didn't read this. The sad truth is Matt and I, because we work on the internet, because our job's the way it are, we were going to get spoiled regardless. So, yeah. w- so what follows now is Matt and I are going to attempt to talk about the leaks without actually <laughs> talking about the leaks. Uh, yeah, the, so the leaks, like... They sound they they're fucking insane. Yes, they um, are. They but are, apparently, I thought it was people, a joke when I heard what they're actually <laughs> going to do and what the big twist of Rebirth number one is. I'm like, you are lying. Get out of my face. And yeah, then ap- I, apparently, people who have read it like to review it because it's got like advanced copies out and people are yeah. already reviewing it. They've said it reads better in con context without like just random posts on the internet. And as it would have to be is the thing. And yeah, like Matt's saying, you know, Monday as we record this. Basically, all the big sites got a chance to read it early, and they have published glowing reviews on it. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, like loads of 10 out of 10s. Yeah, so I'm not scared. I'm a little jealous, though, because why the fuck don't we at the Comic Multiverse get a best <laughs> copy? <laughs> We're good. We deserve it. But yeah, so uh, yeah, they said it works much better in that, as it would have to be. And it's also such a Jeff Johnsian idea what they end up doing. I have to wonder, is this going to be one of those situations where this twist works well within the context of this Jeff Johns written book, but will other writers abuse this twist? Yeah, that's going to be the thing going into Rebirth, whether they, they keep in like the, the upcoming Rebirth one-shots, whether they keep hammering home that this particular thing happened and like they're... These people are now in this universe now, so you're going to see them in this book, in this book. I don't I don't want to see what Scott Lobdell and Red Hood and the Outlaws oh. does with this. I really, really do. I don't want a particular character to show up there and be like, hey, you guys are dark and gritty. I'm dark and gritty too, sentence fragment. Well, that's the thing. Like, I try to explain to people that these particular characters, uh, since this takes place after that particular book... Yes are dead right so, so a lot of there's no real around. way they can come in as as is probably the case too because many of these characters have counterparts in the dc yes. universe yes i'm not spoiling much and how fucked up would it be if these counterparts met each other what what would you even do in a universe where you had all these people running around yeah doesn't I don't know. It's going to be really the weird to see. Problematic how... doesn't even touch it. <laughs> is what I would say. Uh, some other stuff. Another particular character, a fan favorite, who people have been demanding their return for a very long time. They are also coming back, and they, from what I can understand, seems to be like the point of view character for this yeah. DC Rebirth. They sort of walk you through it, which I think is an awesome idea to choose this specific character to be that person. Yeah, and also it was only Jeff Johns could do this with this character because he owed it to that character, really. Yeah. When you stop and think about it, yeah, he re- he really owed it to that character. <laughs> I love it for the people who don't know the leak and they're sitting here trying to figure out by our words who are they talking about. <laughs> yeah, who, what character is it? Who does Jeff Johns owe to? <laughs> yeah, and and they're like going through his backlog, and it's like, okay, who could he be talking? He's either talking about this one or this one. <laughs> Uh, Some other crazy stuff, too. Apparently, the multitude nature that is affecting heroes now might also be affecting villains. And one particular villain may actually have not one but four counterparts running around. Yeah, uh, four or three. I think it was three. I think maybe the one I was reading was overselling. I mean, like, ah, there's four. 
Or maybe they count the the actual New 52 one plus three others. Ah, right. There you go. And if that's the case, you have to wonder, uh, especially for a character in this case where everyone has a different take on this villain, it would be really interesting if one was like old 52 pre-crisis, one was like from a very particular story that people love, and one was maybe like a more flamboyant Silver Age version of said character. I think that would be a great way to have your cake and eat it too, actually. You know, well, like the way I've heard sites explain it is that it's 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 all one character, but throughout the years he's had different personalities or mm, something, which fits with this character's history, actually. Yeah, yeah. So he's gone from like the flamboyant one to the more dark and edgy to the New Fifty Two one, and to yeah, perhaps a version that gets more in line with a certain movie that's coming out very soon. Yeah, which is not a bad design. Actually, I saw the designs where they actually cut a lot, cut out a lot of the crap that that movie version had, and kind of yeah. make them a lot slicker. I'm like, you know what? That's how he should have looked in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I- I'm already liking you, DC Rebirth, because you made a kind of crappy design look much better. <laughs> good, good on you guys. Okay, so that's pretty much as much as we can talk about DC Rebirth without straight up spoiling it. Obviously, when you come back next week for the show, Matt and I will be able to talk this to death because we'll have read it by then. Yeah, and we will have also fan reactions as well to see because these particular characters that get introduced are characters that people have loved and cherished because of they've been on their own in their own mm-hmm, sort of thing. So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see the lay of the land once it's come out that these characters are now involved in the dcu it's fucking balls out nuts it's so nuts i'm actually surprised they haven't tried to pitch something like this sooner is the thing because these are characters that are very popular and characters that i'm sure make a lot of money but not as much money as batman and superman and the ones who have stories that are ongoing yeah, well, that's like when I when I first saw, it, I saw like, oh, were they doing this for the shock value to sell comics? Mm. But I'm thinking like, well, then it's also sort of could be something they've been planning for a while, Perhaps. and it's it's like half and half. I I gotta wonder too with these characters getting a bigger push now. I wonder what a particularly old, curmudgeonly, crusty comic <laughs> creator feels about this. I really want someone to reach out to this person, but the chance, but because this person is the way they are, they're not going to give any interviews about this. Yeah, especially now, as well. No, especially not now. I just you know don't be surprised if that person like you know dies of a heart attack or rolls over in their grave <laughs> or something. <laughs> We're just saying that this might kill a human being is all we're saying. Yes. <laughs> God damn, I, I would love to see the confused look on people's faces as they try to decipher. <laughs> You're like, what the hell is going on? De- decipher our code speak that we're going on. Well, you see Victor Hugo Charlie. <laughs> well, you see Skizzer 61. <laughs> Uh, with with that out of the way, I guess we can talk about uh, well, what we're, we're, where we would usually talk about what we read this week. But as I said to Matt earlier, I thought the latter half of the comic multiverse this week should be dedicated to uh, the best and worst comics of the new Fifty Two cycle. Because honestly, when are we going to get a chance to talk about this again? Nah, never. Never, yeah, never again. The New 52 comes but once, so we have to talk about it. And I mean, really, for you and me, the New 52 marks an important benchmark in both of our online careers because that was DC when we started reviewing comics online. Yeah, it was It was just that right time where co- online comic reviews were starting to take off, and mm-hmm. yeah. 
well, I mean, there had always been online comic reviews, but you know, until until you and I came along and made well, them fan, fan ones, not like big site ones. Yeah, and, and, you know, and t- until Matt and I came along and changed the game, you see, and made it good. <laughs> you see, you can you can break down comic book reviews on YouTube into two categories: pre Matt and Joel and post Matt and Joel. Oh, <laughs> uh, great! Now now that I have bent over and thoroughly sucked my own dick a little bit, <laughs> which no no fan art of that, please. I know I'm always asking for fan art please no fan art <laughs> well now that. you know someone's gonna do fan art of that <laughs> of me sucking my own dick <laughs> oh marilyn manson and prince you know just taking just taking a couple ribs out there so you can get on down <laughs> that's that's the rumor everybody uh to help us out on this one as we look back on the best and worst of the new 52 i pulled up newsarama who did pretty comprehensive top 10 lists on the thing, we're gonna use this as like a as like a jumping off point, really. Matt and I are gonna sub in our own uh, series that we liked and disliked, and also I'm gonna add the extra caveat on this because I see that these lists are thoroughly cheating. When we say goodbye to the new 52, which is the title of this episode, what I really mean is ones that came out as part of the new 52 were under the banner. Nothing after DCU is applicable because I personally count yeah. that as an as another thing onto itself. And I mean, really, looking back at it now, DCU is just a fucking holding pattern. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What the yeah? What the fuck was even DCU? <laughs> what a what an interim thing was that? Where it's like Batman and powerless Superman, God of War, Wonder Woman. We guess. <laughs> you feel you feel like was that a shakeup? Was that like them getting their feet wet for a DC Rebirth? You think where it's like okay, whatever. Yeah, this is like like the rebirth alpha, and yeah. then they they went back and fixed all the bugs and everything. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I guess starting one off here on uh, the uh, Newsarama list they had here at uh, at number nine they had Animal Man from Jeff Lemire, and I think this was the book that really introduced a lot of people to Jeff Lemire. I know this was when I first started reading him. Yeah, yeah, I really liked it. It was a strong horror universe it was a great companion piece to the swamp thing book that was written by scott snyder people forget that that scott snyder wrote that book early on yeah built up this whole idea of the red and the green as these like bio uh like bio spheres that surround us all and people can draw their powers from what a great idea and what a great jumping off point for a horror side of the dc universe that they just killed afterwards yeah, yeah, the horror side of the DC universe is like really weird, but like in that good way. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, they just killed it off with them when they killed like Dark, Justice League Dark and everything, which was another great book as well. They just could, they just could not maintain a magical universe. They just couldn't maintain a Vertigo side of their universe, could they? Yeah, and that really would have set them apart from like Marvel and everything, because yeah. Marvel were doing all like space cosmic stuff. Yeah, go the other at, way at the time. So yeah, just do all like horror, macabre stuff. What a what a crying shame! But that still doesn't change the fact that Animal Man was great, and I think moving forward they're gonna try and build a corner of the for the Vertigo and for the horror stuff in. DC Rebirth, if only it's just the Constantine book, because they say, like, literally in Hellblazer, in the newest arc, he's going to team up with Swamp Thing to go find Abigail Arcane, so there you go. Yeah. Uh, Moving on for some more books there, Uh, I never even read this one on their worst list, Larflees, did you read Larflees? No. I guess that's Come why on, it's man. on the I guess that's why it's on the bad list. I mean, it's the it's one of the few Green Lantern books that actually got cancelled, so it must have been bad. Like maybe that was just one crossover too many. Yeah, 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 because that this was like during the time where they had like 
like almost every Lantern Corps had a book. Yeah, there, much. Was, there was like a dozen of them. Yeah. Yeah, and and then they then again like the Magic Realm, they sort of pulled back the cosmic stuff. Yeah, I mean that that series seemed to be making money like hand over fist, Green Lantern, but Larflees, everyone just said no. Everyone just put their <laughs> put their feet in the sand and said no to uh to Larflees. Yeah, and I don't think he's appeared in comics very much. Uh, you, you since you read more Green Lantern than me, so yeah, no, I'm just trying to think. Like he he's a character who I don't really care about. No, um, mine. That's all I know. Mine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's all I know as well. And I think he's in like some of the more recent Green Lantern stuff, like uh, some of the Green Lantern core books. But yeah, other we're, than that, I don't think he's really been a, anything, really. We're, we're going to piss off so many Larflees fans. I bet in the comic <laughs> multiverse universe, there's one really hardcore Larflees fan. Is like, hey man, I collected the whole series twice. Hey, hey, hey man, if I can find a way to piss off our more right-wing uh, listeners every week, I'm sure I can find a way to piss off the uh, <laughs> the more Green Lantern-centric fans. That's our superpower, That Joel. is our superpower. Did you read that last week? A commenter was really mad at me because I made fun of Trump and I made fun of the state <laughs> of American politics right now. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's silly. <laughs> It's super silly. The guy's like, hey, you know, you and Matt should just stick to comics because you don't live in America, so you don't know what's going on. You, you, you just hear stuff in the news, and the news is biased. I'm like, okay. I'll stop, listening okay to, I'll stop listening to the news then, and I'll stop breathing air and drinking water. <laughs> Where am I supposed yes. to get my information from if not from the news? I'll stop listening to the news, even though I work in a news studio. Yeah, really. T- t- tell you, no, but you need to start listening to Rush Limbaugh and Fox. They tell the truth. <laughs> yeah, and Alex Jones, man, he's he's telling the truth, man. Yeah, telling. T- yeah, Alex Jones. Listen to Alex Jones and Billy Corrigan. They know what's up. <laughs> Freaking Billy Corrigan, man. Okay, now here's another book. Uh, back back onto the best bent, right here. Would you count Multiversity as part of the New Fifty Two? <sighs> I would because it came out before DCU. Yeah, um, and it's it was also like in development way longer too. Yeah, I I would, but it it is kind of its own thing because it is. Yeah, it, it it doesn't really feature anyone from the New Fifty Two. It features characters from the multiverse, but you know, it's, just, it's Grant Morrison, so it's good. It's true, and you know, I I know that's kind of a hot button pick because I know some people are like, well, well, I just didn't like it because it was impenetrable, and that's fine. You know, I I go into a you know Grant Morrison book knowing full well I'm probably not going to understand it because I'm not on near as many drugs as he used to be on. <laughs> yeah. Also, this one might also have to do with certain beings that are in DC Rebirth as well. This is true because you have to. You know, you kind of have to agree, love it or hate multiversity, it did sort of lay the groundwork, this in Convergence, for the multiverse coming back and for stuff that we're going to be seeing in Rebirth. Yeah. I mean, shit, I, I'll dig it just for a certain story they did wherein they took the Charleston heroes and put them in a Watchmen universe, but, like, had it today instead of the 80s, I thought that was friggin' brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah that one was that called Pax Americana or yes, something? Yes, it was. Yeah, and they had the, uh, the... The Nazi Superman one, which is awesome. That was also great. There was a lot. There was a lot of great little ones in there. Uh, on to the bad side, and this is a book that I would say is actually in a club all of its own, and that is uh, a book that got better as time went on, and actually looks to be you know pretty interesting heading into the new fifty. Or I'm still calling it the new fifty. Rebirth. <laughs> uh, that book is Suicide Squad. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I never read it, so you can probably just it, talk about it. New Suicide Squads, uh, or just Suicide Squad in general, sucked from the first issue onward. It was again. It was super edgy team. Be edgy. It was man. Look how sexy Harley Quinn is now that we're making her wear uh, what is essentially her Arkham universe outfit. Yeah, yeah. Even even though that makes no sense because in the Arkham universe that was a costume she cobbled together. Mm-hmm. It it its first issue where they're all being held captive as part of a training exercise. That's literally ripped off from Secret Six. In fact, King Shark was only on the team because of Secret Six. <laughs> Because they wanted to try and make something close to that. Another problem with this book, they couldn't keep a regular writer to save their goddamn lives. Apparently, working on that book was as dangerous as being on the actual Suicide Squad. (laughs) The writers were always killed. They had their heads exploded when they Uh, tried to do something cool. So you had a dozen arcs that went absolutely nowhere. Stupid hanging plothers. Dude, freaking Deadshot died twice in that. And he was brought back different (laughs) times. (laughs) <laughs> and then, like, heading into Forever Evil and, like, Trinity War, there was a story where it's like, hey, well, you know, Deadshot, you and Waller got brought back to life, so now you're going to die. And then that story got dropped because that guy wasn't writing the book anymore. <laughs> there, there was some cool shit there. Alice Cott had, like, a twofer on there before he went to go work for Marvel. He had a really interesting twofer of a story where James Gordon Jr. actually started working for the squad as tech support. <laughs> And as, like, a psychology guy trying to, like, control the team without blowing up their heads, that was clever. And then he had, like, an Oedipal crush on Waller. I would have loved to have seen where that went, but no, another writer just thrown to the side. (laughs) Now, weirdly enough, Suicide Squad, like I said, got better when Sean Ryan took it over in the new Suicide Squad era. That actually started getting interesting, where he actually started telling stories about the team and the dirty dealings of Waller and the government. There was a great bit where they fought an ISIS-like group, and they had a great send-off for the reverse flash in that. That was good, but it started off really shitty and was practically unreadable for a good long time. Yeah, well, what do you think the new the the Rebirth Suicide Squad will be like? It'll it'll be the movie. I've I, I've already read what is essentially the zero. <laughs> That's issue. true. I keep forgetting about that. Eh? It's just... Like, oh, yeah, they'll make it like the movie. It's, it, well, it's, it's literally the same team from the movie now. Katana is on it. It's, if you've been reading that Most Wanted miniseries, they actually explain how she hooked up with uh, the Suicide Squad and how she changed her costume. So at least they explained it somewhere. Okay, so she didn't just appear. Yeah, she didn't just appear. The they, yeah, they yeah. actually they actually explained it, which good for them for actually explaining it. Also, Jim Lee is going to be doing the art on that book, so even if it sucks, it's going to be beautiful. Yeah. Uh, another book, I think a kind of an underrated book, I would say this is like DC's answer to Superior Spider-Man in a way that it's an idea everyone hated at first until they read it and kind of came around to it, and that would be Grayson. Yeah, I, I read the last couple of issues since it tied in with uh, Midnighter, uh-huh. and pretty pretty good. Really fun, really cool spy book, Tim Seeley. Super irreverent uh, type writer who made it fun is the thing. Like, anyone could say, yeah, you know, make Dick Grayson into a spy. But he made it fun and made it cool and populated the book with so many interesting characters. Like, the St. Hadrian's girls are really fun. Helena Bertinelli is fun. Tiger, his, uh, his partner out in the field, is cool. They did a whole story about gun violence. And, you know, people were really mad when they looked at the cover because Dick Grayson was carrying a gun on. They did a whole story about the evils of guns and, you know, Dick trying to uh, conflate what was happening to him working as a spy and everything Batman taught him. Really interesting. 
this one actually kind of has the opposite problem of Suicide Squad, and that is that this one started great, but ever since Tim Seeley left, obviously, to work on new, better Batman projects and the new Nightwing, this book kind of went to hell after he left. I have not enjoyed the last two issues. Yeah? I haven't. I haven't enjoyed the last two issues. It sucks that it looks like it's going to trip at the finish line. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. But this one, this one's going, this one's sort of carrying over into the new Nightwing book. It looks like they're going to go there eventually. By the end yeah. of Grayson, it looks like he'll probably put the costume on again. Okay, cool. They, they, haven't, they haven't decided if they're going to explain how, uh, how everyone forgets that his identity got leaked to the world. <laughs> <laughs> They, they did say in Batman and Robin Eternal they had a big satellite. Now, I love Batman and Robin Eternal, too, so I would add that to the goods pile as well. For more information on that, go back and listen to me rave about it. <laughs> now, now, on the bad side, here's a book I'm going to bet a lot of people forgot from the beginning of New 52, and that is Hawk and Dove from Rob Liefeld. Yeah, I, did, I completely forgot about this. With good reason, too. Who, who, who the fuck wanted to read Hawk and Dove? Yeah, by Rod Liefeld. <laughs> yeah, how does that man keep getting work? The only reason Hawk and Dove are even somewhat sort of, you know, like, mentionable now is that they moved them over to the Titans book because obviously, you know, Hawk has a long history with them. Mm-hmm. I remember when Rob Liefeld left that book, too. He left it in a huff, remember, and he said, people don't like you, Scott Snyder. They only buy the book for Batman, not for you. <laughs> uh, he was wrong. So, so a bad book and a bad thing that he left in a total huff over. Wah, wah. Uh, <laughs> another book I think we can admit was great, uh, Justice League. Now, I came late to Justice League, Jeff Johns' Justice League book. I didn't read it right out of the gate. I was not a fan of, uh, of the war storyline when it all started because I thought it was way too Batman and Green Lantern-centric. Yep. I started picking it up after Trinity War, and I would say after that it ended up being pretty good. Yeah, it started like picking up pace after Trinity War. Trinity War was kind of bullshit, but Trinity War yeah. was kind of bullshit. That was a big nothing event just to set up Forever Evil. But there was good stories within uh, within Justice League. I loved what he did with the Amazo virus. I really dug Lex Luthor joining the team. I thought that was cool. Yeah, that stuff's cool, and it seems to be also that seems to be also going into Rebirth as well. Mm. Oh, so that's going to be really interesting. Throne of Atlantis. That was a Justice yeah. League. Oh, that was event. amazing. That, that was, was amazing. That was the first real big event where I'm like, okay, I like the new 52 now. I dig where this is going. Yeah, that, that was amazing, and they ruined it when they made that animated show. Oh, that, that animated, animated movie. movie. That was sad. Was that was bad. Heck, even Dark Side War, we were right into when it started. I mean, it's gone on a little too long, but yeah. Yeah, it, was good it, it should have finished by now. <laughs> it, it didn't need to be this long for everything that they were going on for. Uh, the art was beautiful in it. The action was great in it. Yeah, Jeff Johns' Justice League had a lot going on to, with it. Interested to see Brian Hitch is going to be taking over it, especially because his JLA book isn't done yet. Yeah, yeah, I was just about to mention the JLA book, because that book is also amazing. It's it's really good. Good Superman-centric story, so I like it automatically. It's funny, we've uh, we've had two JLA books since the New 52 started. There was that, and then there was like the five issues of JLA that Jeff Johns wrote in the lead-up to Trinity War, then that book changed hands, and then we got another one where it was everyone in the DC Universe was a member of the JLA, and it just wasn't nearly as good. Yeah. <laughs> That was that was that was unfortunate. I don't I don't I don't like that. Uh, another book that kind of sucked and was canceled for a long time for a reason. Deathstroke. Remember Deathstroke? Yeah, I remember him. I remember Kyle Higgins wrote the first couple issues of Deathstroke, and when I interviewed him, even Kyle Higgins was like, "What the fuck was I thinking?" <laughs> he basically told that to me. Where he's like, "Yep, I was. Yep, that was that was stupid. I shouldn't have done that." 
Also, when they brought Deathstroke back again in a new series, it's like, yeah, he's young now and he has both eyes. Are you interested? Not really. Yeah, and they, he sort of stuck around as well because he was on Arrow and everyone loved him on Arrow, so they thought, well, everyone must love him in comics. Deathstroke is a cool character when he shows up in other stories. Again, Forever Evil. He's a fucking badass in Forever Evil. Yeah, that, that one issue of American Alien he's in. Fucking amazing. He's amazing in that, too. But I don't care enough about him to actually read his stories. He is a cool yeah. villain for other people to fight. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't even really care about his family. That's what they tried to do in that new one, where it's like, yeah, but we're bringing back his daughter Ravager and Jericho and all these other kid characters, and we're going to try, you know, make it all make sense. Only they couldn't because the Teen Titans had been royally screwed over in the new 52, so it was all just a mess. Yeah. It's funny, too. Uh, I don't know if you've seen, he has a brand new costume going into DC Rebirth, which also looks great. He looks like a ninja again. They've finally gotten rid of all the stupid armor, and he's old again now. Yeah. Which is good, because that's how he should be. I will happily read that. Yeah. Uh, some other good stuff we had going on here. I mean, obviously, I mean, uh, Scott Snyder's Batman, that goes without saying. That was great. Yeah. Never had a bad issue. Never had a bad issue the whole time. Uh, I'm sure you would say Jeff Johns' run on Superman. You were a big fan of that. Yeah, that was amazing. And same same with um Grant Morrison's action comic stuff from like right at the beginning. Mm. That stuff. I know a lot of people didn't like it because oh, why is Superman wearing jeans and a t-shirt? But it was a great story. Uh, sticking to Bat characters, uh, Gail Simone's Batgirl I thought was wonderful and I loved it. And I the, the next one they did after just could not grab me the same way. Yeah, that that was that was that really weird one. Mm. When wasn't she like part of a band or something? Or? No, no, you're thinking of Black Canary. Oh yeah. No, this this is where they're, she they're just this this was where she just moved to the hipster part of Gotham, <laughs> and they made her look twelve years old and kind of undid all the growing she did in the Gail Simone arc. Oh. And I know some people really like that Cameron Stewart Batgirl. That's fine. Wasn't my cup of tea. I preferred the Gail Simone one where Barbara Gordon was an adult and had adult problems. Yep. Maybe, maybe because I'm closer to an adult, too. And, yes, I understand that that book was really dark and really menacing and really sinister and about PTSD and probably not the best book to give to a young girl who would be interested in Batgirl. And for that, I say just just make a spoiler book is all I would say. You could, If they literally recast this new Batgirl book with Stephanie Brown, it would have been fine and I would have been all about it. Yeah, yeah. That's that. That was my only real issue with it. But yeah, that was good. Uh, Batman and Robin never gets as much love as it deserves. I think Peter Tomasi is a real workhorse of the DC universe, and his work on Super League should show that. Mm-hmm. He put a lot of work in making Damian likable in the New Fifty Two, and then he missed the chance to kill him, but he did get a chance to bring him back. Yeah. That uh, that uh, Robin Omega thing there, I really enjoyed that when Batman has to literally go to Apocalypse to bring his son back to life. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and he got like superpowers or something, and he for had a, to, for a little Superman bit. to try and like the, train him or something. The the fallout wasn't nearly as good as the journey, but his actual yeah. journey there, showing you know Batman is such a devoted parent, he will lie, cheat, and steal, and like move the heavens themselves to bring his son back to life. I thought was yep. was a really cool story, and man, they had so many cool uh, team ups in that thing too because with Robin gone the book became you know Batman and Two-Face and Batman and Catwoman and Batman and Wonder Woman and Batman and Aquaman yeah 
and that was really solid stuff for a bit. So yeah, those were those were two really great books from the New Fifty Two that I'm going to remember. Uh, I guess moving on to some more bad stuff here. Ooh, you knew we had to talk about this Red Hood and the Outlaws. <laughs> that was never good. <laughs> I really love that Newsarama when they had their top ten worst titles. Red Hood and the Outlaws is the cover, is the poster child for bad books. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's terrible. And I know every time I bring this up, there's usually a younger fan going, oh my god, it was awesome, what's wrong with you? It probably would be awesome if I was your age. 13-year-old Joel probably would have eaten this stuff up, but I'm not 13-year-old Joel anymore. I'm 20-years-old Joel now. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a crusty old man who wants some substance with my flair, who wants some sizzle, or some steak with my sizzle. <laughs> this book was none of that this book was also more continued burying of the new 52 oh don't worry we'll get better more burying of the teen titans in the new 52 and don't worry we'll rake scott labdell over the coals for that in a minute <laughs> just really really unfortunate it continued to perpetuate this whole you know we need it's like we know jason todd is really popular as red hood but we can't let him be a villain so we gotta make him an anti-hero who uses guns even though that should by all right go against everything batman taught him yeah yeah that 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 that's all i see when people say they like red hood oh because he's like so awesome because he has like this red Iron Man mask. He has and a cool suit. Guns. And there's no everything. denying he has a cool costume, but there's nothing very interesting about him. Yeah, that's all he is, a cool costume. It it got interesting for a second when, like, from issue 19 to 28, when I was reading it, when James Tynan took over, I'm like, okay, cool, this guy's going to put everything back in order. And it looked like he was. He gave the whole team a clean slate. He tried to write a story about why they were acting like jerks and everything for so long, and then they kicked him off the book because they decided they wanted Scott Labdell back. <laughs> we want more extreme. Because the hardcore audience didn't like all the talking that was going on. What's with all this talking and character development? Yeah, we want Starfire in a bikini. Yeah, we just want star titties is all we want. And, was... and trucker hats and... Friggin' trucker... I, I hate that the trucker cap isn't even gone in the new... Or in the in <laughs> Now he's just wearing it backwards, so now he's actually made the look even douchier. <laughs> that was that was another reason I didn't like the book because it continued to break up uh, Green Arrow and his team. It broke up his family in a really hurtful way, and it sucked too because over in the Green Arrow book, uh, he was having an amazing run later on with Jeff Lemire. I would say that's like easily one of the top five best Green Arrow runs. That Jeff Lemire run, short lived though it was. Yep. Uh, yeah, Kill Machine, The Outsiders, all of that was stellar. Yet again, man, Jeff Lemire gets a lot of love on this show, doesn't he? <laughs> He's a good writer. Yeah, every, everything he touched was good for a little bit. I mean, he was he was killing it. He was he was bringing it. He was bringing the heat on that one. Uh, you know, we did a couple good ones in a row. Let's do a bad one in the row. Oh boy, here's one I haven't talked about in a long time. Future's End. What the fuck was that? <laughs> it it started off good. Like the first issue, you hooked him. Like, oh fuck, Griff. Grifter is here, and he's like shooting aliens and hunting Batman them down. Batman Beyond. And... Terry McGinnis was canon for a second. Yeah, and fucking all these cyborg people, and like, who's this fucking Superman guy? And then, then, then it happened. And then nothing. And then it all amounted to nothing in the end. Yeah, literally nothing. This, you know, we were talking about too many cooks spoil a stew. This was way too many writers, good writers, mind you all having to work together on a book that came out weekly and it made no goddamn sense it was completely in you know inconsistent illogical incomprehensible it was bad it was really bad i can't believe it took a year to be done 
Yeah, I, I kind of want to go back and like reread it just to see how bad it is. It's 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 funny. As bad as it was, at least they had the common sense to start burying it even before it was done. Yeah. <laughs> I like no writer talked about it on their Twitter feed. No writer tried to hype it up. Their involvement. Everyone knew it was bad, even when they were working on it. The only yeah. thing you could kind of say that was good about it was Patrick Zircher, who did the cover work for it. Amazing covers. Oh yeah, definitely. It's it would be like wrapping a dog turd in the finest candy shell. <laughs> That's what it was. That's what Future's End was, a, a dog turd in a lovely candy shell. And it's funny, that happened at the same time, and, like, World's End happened at the same time. And they were yeah. all supposed to lead us to Convergence, only they didn't really, because only the Earth 2 stuff actually mattered. Yeah, yeah, only World's End actually mattered. And, you know, while we're on the subject of Earth 2, how good was Earth 2 in the New 52? It was so good. I loved it so much. It was your favorite. You were you were the big cheerleader for it. You were you were raising the flag. You were delivering the good word of James Robinson and Earth Two. And I loved it too. I I own most of the trades from the Robinson run. Yeah, it, it's so good. And then like Tom Taylor took over, and it got even better. He did a really and good. Then... Some people would argue that he didn't, but I would agree with you, Matt. I think he did a very good job. Yeah, I think he did a really good job. And then now it's on Earth 2 Society, which is written by Dan Abnett, so it's even which, better. Which I don't love. I don't love Society. Yeah. See, Society made me drop it is the thing because I feel James Robinson made such this beautiful universe where it's like, yeah, it's all the Golden Age characters living together, only you know they're younger and everything, and it makes sense, and it's all the fun, cool adventures that the main universe couldn't really do because in the beginning of the New 52, everything was dark and gritty. And he made this great world that was like in the wake of a war is everything. And, you know, it reflected with the war that happened at the beginning of the New 52 for the Justice League. And it's like, yeah, we're just going to see a world in the wake of a war. And then another war started because we had to get to Convergence. I really would have liked to see the alternate reality where I feel they didn't have to rush that book. I yeah. feel there was yeah. a lot of good material that they just had to rush through because they wanted a new status quo. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. And I know, like... um. That team-up book, that World's Finest team-up book, sort of acted as, like, a backstory for it mm -hmm. for, for a couple of issues. Because I know we got, like, a bunch of issues that had, like, the Superman and Batman of Earth 2 that died during the Dark Side War yep. um, as the main characters. And they it sort of had the background of, like, their sort of adventures before they died. Yep. That was, that was a cool idea. I like that. And I suppose, too, we can also talk about... Uh, because we mentioned, you know, books we liked, books we didn't like. Let's talk about some books that are gone too soon because, you know, me being me, I championed quite a few books that were gone too soon. Yeah, same. Uh, All-Star Western, Jimmy Palmiotti, Justin Gray, fucking awesome series. If you love Jonah, I loved seeing him team up with other Western heroes. I loved seeing him come to the future. Uh, at least that book got to end on its own terms, if nothing else. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, what was another one you loved that was gone too soon? Oh, I don't know where to start. There's so many, Follow and I, I've, heart, forgotten a, I've forgotten a couple of them. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, Midnighter is technically DCU, but let's count it anyway. Well, that, that got to finish on its own. It did. Own terms and, and a good everything. ending, too. We never talked about yeah. it, but he got back together with Apollo, and everything was nice. 
Yeah, yeah, and they look like they're going to be sort of like a team, sort of maybe re-establishing re Stormwatch or something. Which would be cool. Did, did you like Superboy? I know Superboy went through a lot of ups and downs. <laughs> I liked it when Marv Wolfman took over. Mm -hmm. I liked it for a little bit. It was, it was really cool. You know, he had all these heroes uh, sort of teaming up with uh, Superboy. We had, like, it was really weird because we got, like, legacy heroes of Green Lantern and Guardian on yeah. the team. Uh, so that was really interesting. And then it got, like, really shit. Yeah. And they sort of forgot about him. And it's like, oh, he's living in a monastery in Rome. And, <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's funny, too, that during this... We whole, haven't seen him since. It's amazing <laughs> that during this whole Super League event, well, New 52 Superman is running around trying to rebuild the Superman family to look after the world when he's gone. Never thought to look for Superboy. <laughs> they never once fucking mentioned it. And that, that gets me sort of mad. I'm like, come on, man. He's, Be, because Connor... Boy. Connor, fuck him, that's why. <laughs> uh, f fuck him with a kryptonite dick. <laughs> uh, Demon Knights. You remember Demon Knights? vaguely yeah a lot of people really like demon knights i never got into it it was a little too uh it was a little too high fantasy for me because you know everyone talked forsooth and forsayeth i like everyone yeah. was renfair yeah. speaking it i i really wanted to get into it because it was a great idea for a team because it's like yeah you know we got morgan lefay and we got vandal savage as a barbarian yeah. and we got etrigan the demon and shining knight and i'm like i should love this and i kind of don't yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, it sounds like a book that, like, it sounds amazing, high fantasy. But yeah, I could see why it could be a little bit inaccessible. I know, I know, a lot of people put it on their uh, on books that they loved and were gone too soon. I can't fault them for that. I agree. Another book I thought was gone too soon, uh, Batwing. Batwing when Luke Fox oh, yeah. took over. <laughs> Yet again, another Jimmy Palmiotti, Justin Gray joint. Man, those guys just couldn't catch a fucking break, could they? No, they couldn't. At least Palmiotti and his wife got Harley Quinn, and that's like a new pillar, and that's never going away. <laughs> but yeah, I, I loved the idea of a younger, hipper member of the Bat family who was like solo and on his own, and Palmiotti even basically said, yeah, I was just cribbing notes from Spider-Man. Yeah. I yeah. wanted a Bat family member who had to be home by dinner time and who had like responsibilities, and I'm like, yeah, and it was great. Yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting take on like a Bat character. It was, too, and it was, like, an interesting idea, too, that uh, Luke had a real father, unlike all the other orphans that Batman adopted. Yeah. And Batman... He had a family, an yeah, actual real family. He had a real family, not the weird cult family that Batman has. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was weird, too, because, like, they both had to keep his work as Batwing secret, because not only would that, you know, really hurt his dad if he found out, but it would also ruin his relationship with Batman and Lu uh, Lucius Fox, who builds his tech and everything. Yeah. And that would be bad. He was kind of a ticking time bomb. I thought there was a lot of really fun, really cool stuff uh, going on in that book, and I'm really sad that that one never ne never got to make it. Uh, another one kind of in the Bat family, Talon. How much did I love Talon? Oh, you couldn't stop talking about him. Dude, I thought Talon was going to be the brand new thing. I thought he was the new hot. <laughs> I'm like, man, you'll see in a couple years, everyone will be wearing Talon shirts. Will be the Talon cinematic universe. You'll see. In fact, I'm, in fact, I'm reading a bunch of books here, or I'm reading a bunch of lists for best new Fifty Two books, best new Fifty Two series. No one has mentioned Talon on any of them because everyone oh, just forgot boo. about Talon. <laughs> you know who didn't forget about Talon? Uh, everyone who did the Eternal books from like uh, Batman and Robin Eternal and uh, Batman Eternal, because he shows up at the end of both those stories. <laughs> just to be like hey everybody i'm not dead 
I, I loved his story. Raised as, raised as an assassin, raised by the Court of Owls, yet he broke away from them. He was an escape artist, yet he never killed anybody, and he remained super positive, and he had his own, like, universe and everything in his own side of the universe. I guess he got to join uh, Batman, Inc., but there's some more characters who are just kind of in the wind. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, T- Talon was great. I love Talon. Some people complain they didn't like Talon because it took away from the mystique of the Court of Owls, to which I say, no, it didn't. What's that yeah. over there? <laughs> yeah. Um, another book I, I kind of missed, like I, at least at the end, was the Supergirl book. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. You said that one got quite interesting by the end. Yeah, like just before she started losing her power, she was like out in space with like this weird sort of like space X-Men. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, it got really interesting. And she, she obviously had like stories with her father, who was Cyborg Superman yeah. in the New Fifty Two, and yeah, that added a really unique dimension to it. And it's sort of carrying over into Rebirth as well, since he's going to be in her book, I believe. Mm, yeah, so, yeah, definitely. I'm I, glad that she's she's getting a new book. Talk uh, talk about some more New Fifty Two books that you know, have been completely forgotten by everyone and never made it on any list, good or bad. Remember for a second there when DC Comics was like, yeah, you know, we're gonna be really hip with modern events and you know modern trends, and we're gonna dust off uh, dust off an old series about a bunch of uh, really rich people, a book about the one percent who saved the world, and that was Green Team Teen Trillionaires. Oh, uh, yeah. That lasted like five issues, and they set that up as a sister book. The sister book to that was the Gail Simone written The Movement, which was, you know, about yeah. the 99%, you know, heroes on a budget and everything. And on paper, it seemed like a great idea. It was like, yeah, you know, we'll have both people represented in two different books. And obviously, Green Team got canceled first because fuck the rich. <laughs> But fuck you being richer than me. I don't like you being richer than yeah, me. Yeah, I, I, I remember when that came out and got announced, I thought, oh, this is pretty interesting. It's interesting um, sort of setup, especially since it's going to be in the DC universe. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it was kind of crap. B- both books kind of fizzled out, and it's one of the few times where I was like reading a Gail Simone book where I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I don't need to read any more of this. It's funny, actually. There was a villain, Catharsis, who started in an issue of Batgirl being like a, being like a leg breaker for one of the villains there, only to cross over and join the movement. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was a nice touch. Actually, I'm pretty sure Gail Simone put another character in there, like a like a religious character who had demon powers. I think she put him on like the Council of Magical People in Secret Six. Oh yeah. So clearly she cares about the characters and she's still moving them around and keeping them from being <laughs> dead. Uh, the saddest thing about that, and I even said to myself going in, I'm like, okay, you know what? I'll read both of these books. And, you know, the movement was as I thought it would be. It's like, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, it's young people activism. It was kind of a better version of We Are Robin, actually. They were the movement. They were Channel M. They, like, took security footage of corrupt police. And, you know, they try and deliver justice, you know, for the little guy who couldn't get it. It was a good setup. And I'm like, okay, I'll read the book about the rich heroes now. Yeah. And, and I promise I'll only keep reading it if they don't demonize the poor in the first issue. And literally in the first issue, they were fighting <laughs> guys in pillow masks who were like, nah, we're poor, give us your money. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you screwed up already. You know, the, the movement didn't demonize the rich. The movement demonized, you know, the corrupting influence <laughs> of money and the system that allowed the 1% to get over on everyone else. But no, that was that was unfortunate. So that was those two books lost to history and time. <laughs> can uh, can you think of any other books that uh, that we forgot about? Um, I don't know, not really. Oh, oh, 
Um, since he's kind of relevant now, the Firestorm book. Oh, God, another Gail Simone joint that couldn't make it, actually. <laughs> it was horrible anyway, so... It wasn't great. Mr. Terrific had a book, you remember that? Oh my god, yes. A, a book about a super smart black man, what do we do for the first arc? Take his smarts away. Yeah, and remember how he was like a big character in like, um, uh, Future's End and everything? Oh, yes. <laughs> that led nowhere. I sure do remember that. Um, uh, the Adam had a book for a little bit. <laughs> and uh, Stormwatch had a book for a little they bit. They did. It was they, that book. Um, which apparently oh, for like Stormwatch, a... they greatly reimagined them for the first little oh, yeah. bit, but by the end they tried to put them back the way you remember, but it wasn't enough. Yeah, and then they, they turned up in Future's End only to die. Yep, they killed them off right away, but then they came back and then fucking it was, it was stupid. Frankenstein, yeah, that... the, Frankenstein of the Agents yeah. of Shade, that was another book people like. At least uh, Tim Seeley kept bringing Frankenstein back and other stuff. Yeah, there was that um, Dial H book. Forgot all about Dial H. For yeah, I, I remember I saw like a cover of it like ages ago. I'm like, that was in the New 52? Apparently. I, I remember that. Like when the New 52 started, they announced all these books. And, and then like the week later, they're like, all oh, these books are canceled. It's, it's a shame because, you know, comics are art and you want to respect art and you want to respect artists. But sometimes when you see a rollout of new books and you see certain titles where you're like, that's not making it past five issues. Yeah, yeah, you can sort of tell which ones. You, you, you can feel it. You can taste it on the wind. Uh, Wonder Woman, of course, is another one people really liked. The Azarello stuff wasn't my cup of tea. You liked it more than me. I like the Azarello stuff, and it's a lot better than what it was uh, when I was reviewing it. It's oh, yeah. You you fell in started. love. You fell in love with Wonder Woman, and then you fell out of love with Wonder Woman pretty hard. Yeah, it was like it got so good, and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. This is awesome, and then like. They started doing all this stuff with like some guy who wanted to try and kill Wonder Woman and all this god stuff and then Donna Troy came into it and it just got terrible. Don't don't worry, Matt. Greg Rucka will help us love again. And then the new Wonder Woman book sounds cool. I like every second issue is a different story and it's like one set in the past and one set in it's, current time. It sounds amazing. It's a great idea if you're going to be doing a uh, if you're going to be doing like a bi-monthly schedule, you should use it to your advantage. Yeah. Remember Static had a book for a little bit and they canceled it. Remember Blue Beetle had a book for a little bit and they canceled it. <laughs> Man, did those characters really miss the fucking boat. I'm sure they're really sad when they look over at Marvel and see, like, Sam Alexander, their Hispanic youth, is doing really good, and a black Spider-Man is doing really good. Yeah, well, that's like now, like, they've got the Cyborg book, and it's on, like, issue 12 or something now. Yeah, and it's, it's going to be coming back, too. Yeah, yeah, so, like, they've sort of missed, missed that opportunity. There. They could have easily brought back Jaime Reyes and... You know, Booster Gold and all that. And... But it's it, it's too funny because uh, the guy who's going to be writing uh, Cyborg, Semper is his name. He's worked a lot in animation, actually. He said, yeah, you know, I, I grew up loving characters like Static and everything. And he gets a huge pop for Static in the crowd. Yeah, Static, we love him. So, yeah, my work on Cyborg. And everyone just goes quiet. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, just bring him back in the book and make him a sidekick to yeah. Cyborg. It's like, look, I'm sorry. I like Cyborg. He's a fine member of the Teen Titans, but I don't think he's interesting enough to read about on his own i'm sorry <laughs> i want to support diversity in comics i really do i hope the book does great but at the same time i don't know what you could tell me about cyborg that would make me interested if it didn't start with and he goes back and joins the teen titans yeah 
You want a great uh, cyborg story? Go watch that Justice League versus Teen Titans movie where literally his entire motivation and his entire arc in that story is him trying to like is him realizing that he would be a much better fit on the Teen Titans than he would be the Justice League. Yeah. They even say why don't you come and join us and his answer is tragically better to be benched in the major leagues than a star player in the minors. Yeah. And I'm like that's horrible but okay. Yeah, I can't fault you for that. <laughs> I also want to say too, it's like, do you do do, do you get uh, more money from the Justice League? Do you get a better paycheck? <laughs> yeah, are you compensated more? Do, do, do they have benefits? Do they have like a company credit card? Do you, can you go around and do that? You get weekly oil changes there. You don't get that at Teen Titans. <laughs> Damn it, Cyborg! Did you buy a bunch of pornography and gum again <laughs> with the company credit card? <laughs> Maybe. That seems really specific. Yeah. Porn and gum. No, no one look at Joel's credit card statement. <laughs> 500 packs of Wrigley's Extra Mint. <laughs> a ba- a Backdoor Babes 2. Gigantic asses, magazines. Joel, who buys magazines anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Me. <laughs> That's like that Simpsons bit I love, where it's like, oh, you know, Krusty, your insatiable love for pornography kept me going through that shaky first year. <laughs> Here, the newest issue of Gigantic Asses is in. <laughs> oh, funny. Funny, funny stuff. So, geez, is that all of the new 52, like four to five years worth of comics summed up in just a couple minutes? I think so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, there was lots of events and stuff along the way. Uh, liked the rebirth of Damien, loved Throne of Atlantis. Forever Evil was pretty cool. Took forever to be yeah. finished, but it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I collected all the issues, and it was, it was all right. Yeah, you, uh, you really like Justice League Dark. You wish they would do more with that yeah. universe. I wish they would yeah. do more with the young heroes and the Titans. Uh, that's another thing Scott Lobdell totally fucked up and they need to fix now, but they actually look like they're going in the right direction with it, finally. Yeah, yeah. There's actually going to be a serious Titans team now that looks to be getting a major influx, and even the Teen Titans team is getting some new members, mm-hmm. which I think should be really interesting. Mm, yeah. And, uh, well, geez, I guess with that, everyone, we can wind down for another episode. In fact, we're actually done a little early today, which is good because I need to edit another uh, review for tomorrow. Yeah, I've got like six reviews waiting to be edited. Oh, God, me too, man. I only lost a day and a half when my computer died, and I swear <laughs> to God I feel like I lost a year. Yeah, it, it, it starts piling up if you just like, oh, I won't do anything this day. I, it, I, ha- yeah. I had to push myself to get all the TV shows out, and I'm glad I did. But Steven Universe is back now, and I don't know if you know this, Matt, but they released that show in Weird Bombs Cartoon Network, where it's like, here's five episodes in one day. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, it's like they won't air it for months at a time. Then it's like, yeah, a new episode every week and two on weekends now. Oh, my God. It's like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) That's such a popular show, but they they have such a weird release schedule with it. And it's even worse now because even though I'm up to date on the shows that have aired in North America, apparently, like, three more have leaked in, like, Spain or France now. And everyone's like, so are you going to review the leaked episodes, Joel, or are you going to wait? And I'm like, I'm going to watch the leaked episodes. I don't know about reviewing it. That's like earlier this week, this week's Game of Thrones episode leaked. It did. I'm like, like, ooh. I challenged myself not to watch it. Yeah. It's not like when those four leaked out, and it's like, well, now I have to spend the night. (laughs) 
Uh, friggin', friggin' funny. This is good stuff. So, yeah, man, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you liked this little look back at the new 52. Get get hype for Wednesday. It's gonna be a big comic Wednesday. Get hyped for the next episode of the Comic Multiverse, which you can listen to first if you become a patron. You can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. Really helps me and Matt out. Really helps the show out. Of course, you can listen to the show on Tuesdays now over on Podbean. I have the link down in the description of this. I don't know when I'm going to upload them now is the thing. It's funny. <laughs> it's funny, Matt. Uh, Comic Multiverse consistently one of the highest watched things on the channel and with good reason. Now that I uh, have started putting it over on Podbean, I noticed the numbers have gone down a little bit. I'm like, oh... Oh, that's not good. <laughs> I'm going to have to start cooking the books or something. <laughs> I have to start cooking the numbers, make this one go up, or, or, or do more content. That's the thing. Everyone's like, hey, Julian, would you ever do, like, uh, like top fives? Or would you ever do, like, you know, looks at older stories? And the answer to that is always, I would love to. But the fact is I could either do those or do more reviews of new comics. Yes, there's only so many hours in the day. It's true, and especially with my channel, the place it is now, if, if I put up more than two videos a day, sometimes I'm actually losing money. Yeah, yeah, that's like, I, I've got like all these ideas for all these like videos I want to do, but I'm like, how am I going to do all these? Hell, I, like, yeah. I, I bought a Captain America waffle maker because I really wanted to make Captain America <laughs> waffles for Civil War in an episode of Cape Kitchen. I'm going to do that at some point, but I just have to find the right day for it. <laughs> I might have to fucking do it when the DVD comes out now. <laughs> it's really annoying. I, I I made waffles once and they were great. You can check my Instagram page for that and see how they turned out. <laughs> made a horrible mess of my kitchen making them though because I made them from scratch. <laughs> and I didn't know you're only supposed to put so much waffle batter in the waffle maker because if you don't, it'll spill out over the sides. <laughs> Do you like what Homer does and just like tip everything into the waffle waffle oh. machine and, and just eat whatever comes out? Butter, liquid smoke, capers. Mm. I, I have made some grilled cheeses off it actually and it works. Yeah, well, if it works, it works. It's, it, I mean, it's just hot irons, bread, and cheese. Here's the funny thing though. You put it in right, the bottom of your sandwich is going to look like a Captain America shield. So everything <laughs> I make is Captain America shields now. <laughs> Gonna put a big steak on there one day and fry it up in the waffle iron. <laughs> Comes out looking like the shield. Mmm, patriotic. <laughs> Shit, man, for July 4th, I should do something for that. <laughs> uh, okay, everybody, so thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to like, subscribe, favorite, do all that other social media jazz. Uh, be sure to check Matt out on his channel. Yeah, Fortress Solitude. I got a really cool video coming out at the end of this week after DC Rebirth starts, uh, just sort of explaining the whole deal with Superman and all that, mm -hmm. since a lot of people seem to be really confused about what's going on. With good reason. And, you know, hey, be sure to uh, go and start following us at Podbean if you don't already. In fact, we have quite a few followers at Podbean. It's amazing. I had no idea so many people had Podbean accounts, or maybe they made new ones. I don't know. But we have at least, uh, how many people we have following us? I'll look at that for sure. Uh, we have uh, we have a lot. We have a lot of people following us. We have we have, we have like more than ten. Yeah, well, more than ten, but less than twelve. Oh shit! Uh, yeah, we have way more than ten. We have twenty-two. I just looked at it right now. We have twenty-two people following us over there. That's awesome. So thanks, Darren. Thanks, uh, all these other people. Thanks, Nerd, the Jack who. Uh, Starark486. Thanks, guys, for listening to that over there. Good, good job. Good job. <laughs> Uh, and I guess that will do it for us, everyone. Bye-bye.